everyone, I'm Vinay, and I'm about to have a productive conversation with Mike Vardy. Welcome to A Productive Conversation. I am joined by Vinay, who is the CEO of Process Street. You can manage employee onboarding, workflow automation checklists, the Teams Handbook, and more with Process Street's AI-powered process platform. Uh, at, in the show notes, you can find out how to sign up for free. I wanted to talk about processes. I think that or processes, depending on how you want to talk about it. Because I think it's an area that gets sorely overlooked. They are so much better for us to have in place than one-offs. And Vinay and I get into conversations about like the idea of process versus repeatable work. Um, turning a first-time project into a process. How to systematize your own business. And all that sort of stuff. The difference between process management and project management. So many things to uncover. Now, this is not a pure infomercial slash whatever for Process Street. Uh, there are lots of tools out there that can help you with this. Some are dedicated process management tools. Some are not. But I wanted to talk to somebody who knows a lot about this space, and Vinay certainly does. So let's get into my conversation with Vinay, a productive conversation at that. Here we go. Vinay, thanks so much for taking the time to join me today. Uh, you know, it's it's funny. As we're kind of putting together the podcasts each and every week, we go through a process. We use a, we use a tool that kind of helps us streamline like the actual task management aspect of it and project management. But I wanted to talk to you, and we actually chatted just before we hit record, that what the difference, there's almost, there's a distinction. It's, it's, it's when I think about planning and preparing, there's a distinction, right? Some people tend to conflate the, 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 the two. When people think about like project management and task management, and then they hear the term process manager, or think about managing processes. I'd love for you to kind of illustrate some of the distinctions between process management and say project management or task management, because there is that, and I don't, they live together, but they're, and they're cousins, but they're certainly not the same thing. Yeah, no, it does definitely confuse people. And this is something that we're constantly dealing with when explaining to our customers, you know, why they should consider a process management platform on top of, or instead of uh, a project management or task management system. The, the big difference, you know, the, the short version is that a process is a known task. It's something where you know how it should be done for some reason. And you want it to be done in that same way. There's not discovery happening. There's not uh, trial and error happening. You figured out a way to do something effectively. Uh, and, and you're basically trying to execute that multiple times over and over again. So that could be because you've already done a bunch of tests and figured out the most efficient way. That could be because you have a certain quality standard that you want to hit. That could be because there's some type of regulatory compliance that you need to adhere to. There's some type of risk you're trying to mitigate. But basically, you've figured out this is the way this particular task should be done. And now you, you want to encode that knowledge into the organization into your team and make sure that the next time that task is done, it's done in this specific way at this certain quality level with this certain efficiency and it's done repeatedly and consistently. Do you think that a tool like process street, and there are others out there, of course, that kind of, I wouldn't say they do the same thing, but there is, there's, there's tools that kind of um, do one thing really, really well. Right. You know, like, I mean, we can see that there's larger project management tools that have these elements to it. Do you think if someone is working to try to 
build better processes. Do you think it's incumbent upon them to use, say, let's say process street for that, but then link it to something that's of a larger scale that can, you know, that, that ties to say projects and stuff. So like, I'll give you an example. I use ClickUp. I've made no secret of that. Mm -hmm. Um, But it can get really, any of these tools, especially like, and to do is there's a bunch of them can get really, really overwhelming when you have those things inside of them that are not segmented, but rather fully integrated. So to me, it would make a lot of sense for somebody to use a process management tool in conjunction with a project management tool, as opposed to using a process management tool on its own or a project management tool on its own. Or further to that, if you're a paper person, I think that the process management is great for the digital aspect. And then maybe your bullet journaling or your, your paper is for like the bigger, like what, what do you see and, and how do you even do it? Yeah, no, good question. So I'd say for a, a business as a whole is definitely using a combination of probably <clears throat> like personal task management systems, you know, collaborative project management systems and process and documentation systems, right? right. Like you're using all three, how that gets distributed around the organization depends on the business itself, depends on the teams that are using it. What we tend to find in most of our customers is most of our customers are more these process or compliance driven teams. So HR, finance, IT, uh, you know, real estate, these are the types of businesses that we tend to do best with because they have these very particular processes that they need to follow. They're not kind of reinventing the wheel over and over again. There's a lot of compliance going on, a lot of repetitive, uh, you know, repeatability in their work. And that tends to be where, you know, our sweet spot is. But then there's also all sorts of weird, like kind of what we call long tail processes that happen in all sorts of different businesses that are fairly unique to the business themselves. So for example, one of our big customers does um, relocation of people. So they're a huge company and they basically say their customers are the airlines or hospitals where they're sending people from one state to another and like relocating them physically, relocating their family, relocating, you know, their kids and their school and everything. Cause like, Oh, we need another pilot in this airport. So now we need you to move over to this city. Um, and so they have this like relocation process, right. Which is really complicated and there's all sorts of variables that they have to consider whether they have a family and they need to organize schooling and what kind of house they need and and it's very you know different for each person and there's a whole sorts of you know a whole list of like checks and balances they have to do but that's a very unique process for that particular business that's not like a a process that you would find in more than a few businesses in the country Right. right so it's kind of like a long tail process that's unique to that business so a lot of the time there are these kind of like operational processes that come up that are unique to that business but that's kind of like where process management sits project management tends to sit in the um teams that are more creative or project-based. So marketing or product development tend to be more project-based business uh, teams. And again, if if your business is a marketing agency, right, then maybe your core operations is more project because it's not just that you have your own internal marketing team, but like your whole business is marketing. So you're like constantly doing these marketing projects as like your core operations. But say your business is like an accounting firm, 
then your kind of core operations might be more process driven because you're running an accounting playbook for multiple clients. So that could be an area that Process Street does well, but it's a little bit of a distinction between like the core operations of the business and whether it's the particular team that's kind of running that playbook. And it's like anything else, there's nuance, right? I mean, you could, yes. you could definitely, like I know when I, when I, even for the work I do, there's stuff that is repeatable. There's processes. Everyone has processes in place, but, uh, it, it's interesting because most of my work is creative, but there is some administrative stuff. So the administrative stuff is right. definitely process driven. Now, some of the stuff you're talking about, which I think is really important, is stuff that's outside of your control necessarily. The processes kind of are, you need to do this because it's it's needed. It's like, you know, HIPAA requires it or, or yeah. again, the government, there's some form of governance that requires it. So I think- what I find, and it took me, I don't think it took me a while to figure it out, but it took me a while to figure out how to, how to put it all together, how to make it all work, uh, is that, you know, everyone needs to understand that we probably all have processes. It's like the same thing about when I talk to people about projects and tasks, you're like, oh, I have to, you know, I have to write a book or I have to write book. They put that on their list, like write book. We were just talking about the productivity diet. The Like I didn't put in my <laughs> list app, write book, like there's a step, right. there's steps. And I think a lot of people, they get screwed up when, and I, I did an exercise not too long ago with people. I called it, um, I called it, uh, the six, uh, like it was like the solitude exercise of six, six solitude, I think, or something like that. It's a challenge where I said, take six of your tasks on your to-do list and bring them into like a post-it note or a sticky note or an index card and work on those. And they said, six, I can barely get one. And I'm like, okay, mm. if you're only getting one task done per day, I don't think it's a task. I think it's a project. Right. And a lot of yeah. people don't recognize that most of the things we do are projects, but I also think most of the things we do are processes. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. Well, yeah. So this is what I was getting to. So I think there's a continuum in the flow of these things from basically your personal to-do list into like a collaborative project management platform, then into process management. Mm -hmm. So the way that, and I can talk about actually how we do this as well, um, but, you know, the, an example might be like what you just said. You're like, oh, I have this um, uh, project to do, build a website. Yeah. Say you're a marketing agency, right? So, so you know, you get, a, you get an email from a client and they're like, hey, we need a new website. So you throw that on your to-do list, like make website for X client, right? Mm -hmm. um, and now you've got one task on your to-do list. But then you start looking at and you start talking about that task with your team and you're like, oh crap, you know, th there's a lot more involved in this than just kind of a simple task of build websites. Yeah, it's more of a You've thing gotta... than a task. Like at that point, you're like, it's a thing. A task is, again, it's, yeah, it's tricky. Yeah. So it's more of a project. So you're like, okay, we've got to, you know, do the the copy. We've got to do the design. We've got to do the testing. We've got to do the engineering. We've got to, right, got to engage with the client. We've got to run meetings. You've got to do all these different things to basically build this website. So you'd take, you'd kind of unbundle that single task in your productivity, uh, you know, personal to-do list manager, and you put that into a project management system. Um, and so you'd kind of build that out. You'd break it out to the different tasks, maybe the different people that are involved, and you'd use a collaborative project management system to build it uh, or manage it. But as you're going through that project management, that that you know project management system, that project, you're probably learning things. You're learning like, okay, this is a better way to run a meeting. This is the order of operations that we should do the you know the project. We should first do the client briefing, and then we should do the you know 
the wireframing and then we should do the copy and then we should do the design. And that's a better order of operations than first doing the design and getting all the images done and then coming back and working on the copy and then realizing that the client wants to change the copy and then having to go back and like redo your designs and the images creating rework. And so you figured out a better system to basically do this as you've gone along and done the project. And then another client comes up and says, hey, we now need a new website. And so instead of going back and basically redoing all that work, like essentially throwing away all the work that you did in that project, uh, having to refigure out, oh, actually, we shouldn't do those images first again. We should actually work on the wireframes first, and then we should do the copy, and we should get the copy approved. And then once the copy is approved, then we should move on to the images. Like once you figure that out, it's it's becomes more efficient and more scalable to actually take that project and turn it into a process. Because now you've got learnings, you've got things that you've figured out that basically help make that project more efficient, help make it uh, increase the quality of it, um, help make it more scalable and repeatable. And so at that point, when you're like, okay, we're gonna build website two, three, five, ten. 10, that's when you basically want to take the learnings that you got from the project and turn it and encode it into a repeatable process that has basically guidelines and rules of and orders of operation to make sure that it gets executed at a more efficient, higher quality rate. And so they, they kind of all work together. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, an example would be an example we've written about for, uh, on our blog is I think Uber is a good example of this and how Uber basically expanded and you know, Uber, when, when they launched as a company, they basically were figuring a lot of stuff out. They first launched black cars and then they launched UberX and they launched in San Francisco first and they launched in New York. And there was a lot to figure out, right? They had to figure out how to get drivers and how to get passengers and manage the marketplace and how to deal with regulators and how to deal with the city and, and safety and all these things. And that you know, took them a lot of testing and tinkering, especially in their first few cities that they launched in. But then when they, and so those were projects, right? Mm -hmm. Launch in San Francisco, that was a project. Launch in New York, that was a project. Uh, launch in LA, that was a project. But once they got to, you know, three or four or five cities launched and they're like, okay, now we need to launch in another hundred cities, another 500 cities. They basically turned turn that like launch project, figured out, you know, the things that worked, the things that didn't work, and then encoded that into a, a process, into a playbook, which they then used to go from city five to 500, right? And so it's, it's interesting how much people put value into the project, but don't think about how to take that project and transform it into a process. I was going to say, so, I mean, I remember interviewing Michael Gerber about, you know, the, the idea of turnkey, right? Like the idea of changing the e-myth stuff, right? Like, you know, mm -hmm. and, and you actually, you just mentioned Uber literally yesterday before we record, they're, they're coming to Victoria. And oh, wow. I was, Finally, and, huh? and, and it's been a long <laughs> time coming and people are like, oh, the fall. And then it's like, we're here next week. And I'm, and you just talked about the reason they were able to do that. They, they, yeah. months ago, they contacted people who were interested in driving. And so all they were waiting for was the flip of the switch, which was a licensing change here for, and they're like, okay, that domino has fallen. Now it triggers the rest of the process, right? So that allowed them to be able to go, well, we don't have to wait till September. We can do it during one of the busiest tourist seasons because uh, as we're recording this, it's late, it's just after Memorial Day in the United States. It's going to start getting busier here in Victoria. 
and there's a lot of American tourists that come off cruise ships. Wouldn't it be great if they could just open up their Uber app and be, well, yep. And actually right. yesterday when I checked, I just said, I wonder, because they've had Uber Eats here for a while too, which also opens the gates. So that, like there's a lot of inter interconnectivity. And I think what's interesting is when I opened up the app, it didn't say Uber isn't available in your area. It's just in the midst of like, it didn't say no, but it didn't say yes. So I was like, oh, it's not letting me be picked up, but it's trying. So, you know, you know that everything is being set up. And to mm -hmm. your point, what I think is interesting is a project, a first time project can lead to a process or the beginning of a process, right? And then I think what happens, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that processes start to live within projects and the projects become the nuance, like the different, oh, they want this website. Well, that's where the creativity can come in or that's where, hey, we're going to do a different kind of promotion around this or whatever. But the process frees you up to be able to do that stuff as because it's already taken care of, right? Yeah. Yeah. As a business gets larger and more complex, you might have a project which is a kind of a combination of lots of different processes. And you might, the, the kind of project management piece might be more around deciding what processes to include or not include in that particular project. Right. And that basically allows you to handle these much larger, more complex projects because you've already kind of figured out a bunch of the subcomponents and you've optimized the subcomponents. And now you're kind of like legoing together different subcomponents that are all kind of like optimized sub pieces. Like here's like how we build a website. Here's how we run a social media campaign. Here's how we build an email follow-up sequence. And you've kind of like got these different optimizations of the pieces. And then based on like what that client needs, you're kind of pulling out the different Lego pieces and putting together together like a bit of a project for them but all the sub pieces of that project have been optimized and polished by you based on processes that you've built but yeah it is it is kind of interesting how people don't pay enough attention to processes yeah. especially especially smaller businesses or smaller teams that haven't figured it out but if you kind of think about that uber example there's way more actual work that goes into the process like if you think about the number of hours the amount of dollars spent, the amount of people needed, the amount of actual work done to go from city five to 500, that's more work, right? Um, it's more work to actually execute and scale the business and run the process over and over again than it is to build a project. It's kind of less sexy work because you're doing the same thing over and over again, but it's arguably more important, right? You know, we kind of have this you know, we have this thing called the process manifesto and in it, it says, you know, processes run the world, literally all of it. Stock supermarkets, on-time trains and safely landing planes are all made possible by systems of intricate interlinked processes. And you think about companies like, I don't know, any, any big company, SpaceX or Ford or Salesforce, like what they do, you know, building the first SpaceX rocket was this huge like engineering feat, right? Mm -hmm. And they had to figure out the, the project of how to make a rocket land. But that's not actually where the value comes to SpaceX, right? The value comes by collecting $60 million for each subsequent launch that they do, right? There's no actual value in like the test 
rocket landing on the pad. Like that is a very like amazing technological breakthrough, but they didn't actually make any money off from, from that. In fact, they just burnt billions of dollars <laughs> like to, to make that happen, yeah. right? Where they actually get the return is when they're able to execute that over and over again and successfully launch and land and successfully launch and land on a weekly basis and do that for years on end. That is actually where the value comes to the business, right? It's on executing that process over and over again. Same thing, you know, Apple didn't make money inventing the iPhone. They made money building and selling billions of iPhones, right? right? Like that is actually where the value comes in. That's where the actual work gets done, right? There's more work that goes into scaling out the supply chain and building a hundred million, a billion phones, you know, running all the campaigns to get them actually sold and supported and into people's hands and blah, 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 right? That the, the, the process, the execution of that process is where real value gets unlocked. Yeah, most people kind of, you know, once the project is over, they kind of get bored or they, it's just like not as sexy to actually work on um, executing and optimizing and continuously improving that process. But that is actually the majority of what happens in a business and the majority of where the value gets delivered. Okay, we're going to come back to that because I definitely want to talk about that part because I whole, wholeheartedly agree with you. And I think that there's some definite quantifiable um, productivity elements that I think lead to that. But I want to shift gears and ask you, because you talked about the unsexy work, which is definitely part of that process. What led you to decide that you wanted to explore this? Like what led you to say, you know what, this is something that we need. It's under, it's not being talked about or it's not being served. I'm going to do it because that in and of itself seems to be a process that you've had to do again and again and again and again, right? Yeah, totally. And I think, you know, ultimately you said you were speaking to, uh, to Mike Gerber. I've, I've also had a, a podcast episode with him like a few years back. And, um, you know, this is kind of like the, the message of E-Myth, right? Mm -hmm. Where when you're, when you're running a business yourself, you ultimately run into this roadblock where you're like, you, you realize, oh shit, for me to keep the money flowing through these doors and for me to keep the lights on, we need to start, you know, just continually doing some type of work. For me, I was running a, a marketing company and, um, you know, we'd figured out a few things and we'd made some, some, you know, some initial revenue and got some initial customers. And then over time we, we kind of felt that we had to, try to scale that or just keep the, the lights on by continuing to deliver the same quality work, right? And we had problems. Customers would leave, uh, employees would turn over, and we had to figure out how to keep a predictable, repeatable flow of revenue coming through the door. And it just got really frustrating trying to do these things over and over again. Oh, we lost a customer. How are we going to get another one? I don't know. Let's just kind of scramble and figure it out. <laughs> oh, we lost a new employee. What were they doing? I don't know. Like, let's go and have a look at what they were doing and try to see if we can like, you know, save this client that they were working on or recruit this revenue that, that was lost. And that just became really chaotic, but also just very personally stressful, right? It just, this is the kind of the... <laughs> The, uh, the classic story that you hear from a small business owner of just being up all night, putting out fires, working on the weekends, just trying to like, you know, stay on this treadmill that you don't feel like you're moving forward, but you feel like you're doing all this work. And 
that just led me to try to figure out, oh, there's got to be a better way. How do I actually get this machine like scalable? And how do I get myself removed from it? So I'm not the one who's, you know, constantly in the middle of everything, stressing out, doing these late nights, uh, working every weekend. And so it just becomes this kind of personal pain that a lot of small business owners end up feeling. And that I think is where they start to, you know, get on the path of learning a bit more about how they can systemize some of their business. Because at some point when you take on enough work, you have enough overhead, you have enough customers, enough employees, it basically gets to the point where it becomes unmanageable, right? Mm -hmm. Like you've tried, you've tried to brute force it and, you know, either you've grown too quickly and you physically can't do it anymore, or you just get burnt out because you're doing, you know, too many weekends, too many late nights, and you get to a point where you need to figure out how to how to scale it effectively. And of course, companies have figured that out. That's how any large company operates is with very, you know, optimized processes. And so I decided going down that that path of how do I basically build and systemize my own business. And, you know, back then we started with Excel, you know, we started with docs, we started with, you know, the the, the very, very basic stuff. And that quickly started to fall apart. You know, we had these giant spreadsheets that we're trying to manage everything in and distributed team and people just stepping on each other's toes, overriding each other's work, having to, you know, spend a long time just training somebody on how a spreadsheet, like how, you know, how this spreadsheet works basically. And all the things they need to make sure to avoid like breaking on this spreadsheet every time they interact with it. Uh, had similar pains with project management tools as well, where uh, they're quite easy for people to kind of get in there. And there's a lot of like freedom and flexibility in the project management tools that allow people to, oh, let me just rename this task. Let me just move this task over to this project or whatever. There's, there's, there's so much flexibility in those systems that when you do have a very structured way that you want things to work and you don't want basically people to try to figure out how to do this task. You just want people to execute the task over and over again in the way that you've already figured out is the most uh, efficient, highest quality way to execute that task. Uh, a lot of the, the free form systems break down. And so that's when we started documenting our processes. And then we wanted a way to be able to track those processes Then we wanted to be able to automate those processes. So we didn't have to, you know, pay for people to do this repetitive mundane work over and over again. And that's kind of where process street, was was born right it's it's a tool not just for for documenting but also for tracking and getting accountability and visibility into those processes you know when they're done who did them you know where they're held up and then also being able to automate as much of that work as possible how excited are you about ai and the developments that are going on there <laughs> i'm sure this is not the first time you've been asked this but every time i think because processes there are i mean the the automation element is huge for a lot of people in fact i would argue um, and I'm sure you, I mean, you know, way more about this than I do is that one of the, I mean, automation is a, it, it can reduce one of the barriers to entry for people to build processes because they're so driven by, you know, just projects. They're like, okay, I'm going to make this because there's a lot that they're trying to do. If you can even go in and say, okay, what's the best, like I've done this, like chat GPT, what's the best way to, and it just lists everything. I'm like, okay, now again, the reason I ask you how excited you are is because I think like anything else, there's nothing that's absolute about AI. You can't just go, we're going all in on AI and let it do what it needs to do. But I also know that there's a lot of fear around it where it's like, oh, we're staying away from AI. And if you try to use it, you know, that's a, I mean, there's some companies that are like, you know, 
you're not allowed to use it at all. Right. Uh, so where do you stand with AI and how, how is that fitting in with process treat and the kind of stuff that you're doing? Yeah. Uh, we're all in on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so lots of stuff going on across the company. We're going to actually do our first big launch, uh, on AI in a week or two. And well, I guess depending on when this podcast comes out, so probably probably by now it's out there, but yeah, we'll definitely, yeah, it's probably already out. Mm -hmm. So check it out. Um, but where, you know, for us, we think it's been a huge blessing, both for the product and for the the rest of the operations of the business. So in the product, um, you know, the basic stuff using AI to generate processes, generate workflows, we have like a very interesting, um, you know, advantage that we can do because we've got a quite a unique UI that has tasks, it has forms, as well as having process content. It's got approvals, it's got logic, it's got all these different components. And so it can get fairly overwhelming and time consuming for somebody to build out a process. And with with AI, with ChatGPT, we can generate workflows on demand. So you can just say, I want to do this workflow. It will build out the tasks. It will build out forms. It will build out logic. It will build out approvals. It will build out all sorts of emails, email templates, automations, like all sorts of stuff it can build out for you just by giving it a very simple prompt. We can also use AI to import anything that you have and, and help basically build out the workflow based on anything that you have. So say you have a document with an SOP written down, say you export an old like Asana project into a CSV and you want to turn that into a process. Say you have a Visio or a workflow diagram that you've built out in uh, Lucid or even that you've sketched out on a piece of paper, we can basically import that and turn that into a process for you automatically as well. So it gives these kind of like, you know, a lot of assistance in generating and importing and designing processes, which is kind of like mundane work that a lot of people don't like to do. It's like, oh, I got to document this process. So it can, it can help, or at least, you know, do a, a, take a big part of that lift off the user and make it, you know, instead of a three hour project, a 15 minute project of tightening something up that the AI is giving you um, or for new users that are trying to figure out the product. It's great. So that's kind of the, the, the obvious one. Um, we're also building uh, AI into the actual automation of the workflow itself. So uh, part of our workflows have forms, right? You might say, what is this? If you're doing, let's say a, 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 a employee onboarding workflow, you might have, forms that have the details of the employee that you're onboarding or their address or their position or their region, um, things like that. And you can basically take that data and then do stuff with it that you, that you could basically, um, uh, send it to the GPT and then do stuff with it, with the data. Right. Mm-hmm. So you could say, Oh, I know all this information about the employee. I know that they're starting on this date. I know that they're, um, doing this role. I know that they went to this school and I have all this information in the workflow already. So I could say use GPT to generate a Slack welcome message that kind of incorporates all that information about the employee and makes it a personalized message uh, or generate an email from, uh, for them. Then you can do all sorts of other interesting stuff. So say you're doing like a process to, um, uh, follow up with a lead. You can have, you can ask GBT about the company, about the title of that jobs, uh, that person's job. You can ask them about the, the region that they're in or the school that they went to. And you can get all sorts of like interesting personalized information about that lead that, that came in. 
Uh, you could, if you're doing a process to follow up with a customer request, you could have GPT, you know, run sentiment analysis on that on that request and and understand is it like you know is this positive, is this negative, is this urgent, uh, is the customer being aggressive? Like you can kind of get all this information about that thing that you're working on that you've you know basically polled GPT for. Uh, a cool use case that we're that we're playing with right now is like um, uh, region assignment. So we have uh, like CSMs that are broken into basically kind of vertical slices of the US uh, based on the time zones that they're in. Mm -hmm. And and, and also like in, in, in Europe, we basically have like 24 seven kind of follow the sun support. And so, but it's not exactly, it's not like an exact formula where some cities are in some kind of zones and some cities are in another, another zone. And if we were to kind of create these rules to say, if a ticket comes in from this particular city aside to this rep, we'd basically have to have lists of every city, right? Um, and do this kind of like quite complicated routing where it's like, is this city this, then match to this rep, then assign to that rep. With GPT, we can basically create these like zones. So we can say, you know, these are the states that this, this rep is assigned to. And then you can ask GPT like, what city, what state is this city in, and then assign it to this rep. And so something that would have previously taken, you know, hundreds and hundreds of conditional rules, we can kind of just handle with a simple prompt of the data inside GPT. So building it in to basically be able to take any of the data that's in your workflows, run queries against that data, and then use the response from GPT as like part of your process, right? So whether that's generating a message or making a decision or formatting data in some way, um, it's gonna add a lot of power and it kind of gives, we call it like natural language programming, right? Mm -hmm. It gives non-technical users the ability to kind of write what would have previously been quite a complicated like Python script or something and essentially do it using very simple nat nat natural language like prompting into, into GPT. Um, you can even do other stuff. Like you can have it generate code for you, right? right if you want to get more advanced. Um, and that's something that we're looking at is basically doing say, uh, integrations, um, on demand. So generating integrations to other apps because GPT already knows the API docs mm -hmm. of those other apps. So there's a lot. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. There's, that, there's a lot. Yeah. So, so before, I, before I let you go, um, those people that, that are, interested and i think everybody should be interested in process management making sure that they've got the processes dialed in what's one thing that they could do starting now that you think would help them kind of wrap their head around the importance of managing processes just as much as managing projects and tasks yeah i would say like you know one of those things that we have is like stop throwing away your work right and this is such a common thing where people would do a project and then they're like, okay, the project is done. And then that project will come up again in the future and they'll kind of start the whole thing again. And they will have like thrown away the work that they did from the previous project. So what I would, what I would recommend is like, think about a project that you've done that you think is going to come up again in the future and think about how you can in, just document that or encode some of the learnings into a process or an SOP that can be used again in the future. And just starting to build that habit of like slowly moving things over from project to process one at a time. Don't try to take on this like giant project of I'm going to document everything in my business because that becomes a big non-starter. 
just try to kind of take the things that you've already done before and try to create light documentation out of them and do that slowly one at a time and start to build a habit. But hey, this has been a great conversation. I know I'm going to spend some more time with Process Street. It's something that I have I've yet, I haven't done it as much as I should. And we were just talking about before the start is it will definitely help streamline with the help that I have. Uh, yep, it's great to have tools like ClickUp and Todoist and things like that. But I think there's strength in having uh, separate tools. Like I use practice for my coaching. I use like, I think having mm-hmm. separate tools to do this thing really, really well. And then having them all talk to each other, like a giant gestalt yeah. is the way to go. Um, where can people keep up with you, learn more about you and, and learn more about process street? Yeah, totally. So why well, uh, just on that note, yeah. you know, I think that's, a, that's, a, that's also like a, a big thing that we agree with is, having all the tools work together is extremely important and not getting people kind of distracted by having to jump around to different places. So, you know, we've built like a Slack app, a Teams app, and we have, you know, really strong integrations into basically every other tool. So we try to make it, in, you know, native to where you're already working right. instead of having, having to kind of like have a different place to go and um, think about, oh, I need to check this other place when I need to, to, to work on a process or um, contribute to a process that is happening in your business. Uh, to find out more about me, you can follow me on Twitter or LinkedIn. Uh, VinAP10 is my Twitter or VinAPatanka is LinkedIn. And Process Street, yeah, check out our new AI product that should be out right now, Process AI. You can learn more about that at process.st. Awesome. Vinay, thanks so much for having a productive conversation with me today. It was a really productive one. I've got, I've got lots of work to do after this. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been great. Uh, appreciate your time, Mike. Thanks to Vinay for joining me on the program. You can check out all the show notes related to this episode, links, takeaways, all that fun stuff at productivities.com slash podcast 487. Another way to support the show other than checking out the show notes, which will have the links to subscribe, for example. Um, well, that's one way is to subscribe to the show. Uh, hit the subscribe button wherever you are listening to this episode, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, what have you. It helps make the show stronger because the more subscribers we have, the better the show will be. I know that may be behind the scenes math, but trust me, that's kind of how it works. Uh, the other way that, that things get better uh, for the show and the way we put more into the show is through the support of our sponsors. Just head to productivities.com slash podcast sponsors, and you can check out all the sponsors you heard during our conversation today, as well as a few others that are listed there as well. Um, once you click on the links that are provided there that offer deals, trials, etc., they'll know that we sent you there. Another thing you can do to support uh, the work that I do is check out my my email newsletter. Productivities.com slash attention is the best way to do that. If you are listening to this the 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 day the episode comes out or fairly recent, then there's lots of bonuses that I, I give when you sign up for the list. In fact, the Time Crafting Starter Kit, which is a you know really good starter guide for the productivity philosophy and approach and process that I share with and have shared for years, um, but also the daily driver, which is a daily planning sheet that I share. So again, productivities.com slash attention if you want to check that out. Now that I've got that all taken care of, we can now wrap things up. Thanks so much for taking the time to join me today. Thanks to Vinay for being here. And until next time, I'm Mike Vardy, the host of A Productive Conversation, reminding you to stop doing productive and start being productive. See you later.